Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. Hi, everyone. My name is Margot. I am a sexaholic. I am a real sexaholic. And I am grateful to be here, and it is a wonderful way to start out the new year. My sobriety date is March 14, 1986, and as Sylvia says, for which I'm never sufficiently grateful. I wanted to talk about the gifts of sobriety, which really does mean the gifts of sobriety and recovery. And I'll go through uh, a few different points. Just briefly, I'll just say my story is that I started acting out with myself when I was about seven, and that continued till I found this program, even though when I was eight, nine or so, I was trying to stop. Um, I think I had a sense that it, that it was out, some kind of a, not something out of control, and I could not stop. And I started acting out with other people when I was a sophomore in college, and that continued until I found this program, in spite of several situations, including my employers doing an intervention because I didn't show up at work, my parents getting involved, and that even that didn't stop me. So the first gift that I want to talk about of sobriety is being alive, and I mean that physically because I could have been killed in certain situations that I put myself in that were dangerous. Um, I could have gotten AIDS, and um, I could, a lot of things could have happened to me. And then I'm really grateful to be more alive. It says in the white book, in the, in the solution, we began to feel alive, and that happened to me when I started getting sober. And that's on the emotional, spiritual, and mental level. I didn't know that I was dead, so to speak, spiritually when I was acting out. I, I thought being alive was uh, acting out with all these partners and all these false connections. I thought that was life. And I thought when I got, I, I mean, I was desperate when I came to my first meeting. So I was willing to be sober, but a chill passed over me when I heard the sobriety definition. And I thought I would just become a, you know, a stick woman, I used to say, like all, you know, dried up and no fun. And instead, I found out that I have become a much more whole, real, and living person because of this program. And today, what I, how I think of being alive is that it includes vulnerability and uncertainty and confusion 
as well as happiness, gratitude, and love. It's really the landscape of the heart. Um, it's, it's a lot more um, asking for help. And as I said, vulnerability, that's what aliveness means to me today. It's not always comfortable because I'd like to be in control, but it's so much better than how I was living before. The second gift I want to talk about is the fellowship. Um, These are kind of in chronological order in terms of how they came to me as as I got sober. The fellowship has given me a place to belong. The identification with other people who have the same problem as I do and the, same, and the solution is what makes my insides relax. And I remember that Jess L. once said, um, in order to recover, I have to be in a room with other sexaholics. And I found that to be true. I tried to stop my acting out through other programs, treating it like a character defect, kind of like it talks about in the big book. And it just did not work. I have to be in a fellowship with people who nod when I talk about my story. And I have a place to belong in the world, no matter how uncomfortable I might feel in other quote-unquote normal situations. Um, I know that I have a home in this program. The fellowship also means a sponsor who helps me, um, a sponsees who help me, sisters in the program, and hearing my brothers at meetings. Um, As an addict, and I have multiple addictions, but as an addict, I need support. It didn't seem like my parents needed to talk about their inner life too much, and it didn't seem maybe normal. I don't know how other people deal with life, but I need a lot of support. And that's what the fellowship gives me. I need to keep my thoughts in the direction of recovery. I need brainwashing on a daily basis. Um, Because as an addict, my thoughts can become very negative. And I have a built-in forgetter. And so I I need to keep in touch with the fellowship Um, through the phone meetings, through my face-to-face meeting, through, I call my sponsor every day and leave her a message with my commitment to sobriety. I talk to my sponsees, some of them every day, some of them once a week. Um, It just depends. And I make other calls to sisters in the program. Um, Okay, so the third gift I want to mention is the gift of guidance, the message of recovery of how to live. When I wrote my fourth step, the third part of the, of the fourth step, which is about the sex inventory, and it asked me, where was I selfish? On most of my acting out partners, um, I wrote, I wanted them to tell me how to live. I felt completely clueless about running my own life, um, even though I was trying, trying all the time to run it. Um, and so that's, this program gives me that guidance and part of it is through the concepts that we talk about. And I don't mean the concepts as in the 12 concepts of AA. I just mean 
the message of recovery that I get here. And the first one is that lust is what we talk about as the core of the disease. And that tells me that it's what, in my, it's what is in my head that is the problem because I carry this disease around with me. I can ingest the substance of lust just with my own thinking. I don't have to take something in from the outside. And kind of paradoxically, the focus on lust also tells me, this is how I think of it anyway, that this is a physical disease. It talks about that in the big book, um, that there's a physical component. It's not just a behavioral issue. And those things are very important to me because it tells me that it, it gives me a guide for how, how to treat my first lust thought, my first look. Um, I like to say I don't want to go up to the edge of the Grand Canyon and look over to see how deep it is. I like to stay far, far away. And there's no point to me in entertaining lust thoughts and then just basically being in withdrawal all the time. So I'm very, very grateful for that, that I'm, that I'm addressing a much deeper, deeper place than just the behavior. Another concept that helps so much is the concept of powerlessness. That's where I have to begin in being sober and in every day. And there's a wonderful prayer in the white book um, that, talks, that asks God every day, to keep me sober from my lust because I cannot, but by his strength I can. I have to renew my sense of powerlessness on, on a daily basis. And that is not a, a place of weakness. That's a place of strength. Surrender, that's another concept that's important to me. And I'm, I have to keep learning. I'm still learning to turn over every, every aspect of my life to my higher power. Uh, sometimes the non-addict issues in my life, um, I still try to kind of fix up myself and then present myself to God. So that's a constant thing for me is to surrender every, everything. Um, asking for help. I didn't know how to do that before. I didn't know I needed help, um, even though I felt like I was clueless about life. And But really opening myself up to saying, what, what do I do here? And what do I think here? And then the actions of love. That's an, another concept that's important. Um, last night, I did an action of love. A friend of mine gives a New Year's party every single year. And I've just recently moved. And so I'm now farther away from her. And it was raining. And I just, and, you know, I was the party started at nine, which is almost my bedtime. And I did not want to go, but I did. I knew it was really important to her. I took uh, something for an activity that we did there. And it was really a lot of fun. And I left at 11. So it worked out very, very well. Um, but that's the kind of thing that I learn in this program. And I'm not perfect at it, but it always works out well. Um, other ways that I get guidance in this program are things that we all talk about. And by the way, I'm sure all of you have your own list of the gifts of the program. 
and the gifts of sobriety. Um, so these are just things that came that occurred to me. All the tools. That's how I started out. That's how I got sober. Um, meetings, phone calls, literature, the sobriety renewals, prayer, meditation, um, service. Um, that gave me a, something to do besides acting out at the beginning, and I really, really needed it. And then eventually, um, I did the steps in sort of a, um, with the guidance of a sponsor in this program, but there wasn't the structure back then that there is today. And eventually, after I was about eight years sober, I, I was really feeling extremely depressed and upset and as if I really didn't want to live anymore. And somebody in one of my meetings um, seemed to change. And through that person, I got involved in the big book, which is a special way. It's, it's following the steps out of the big book, but it started here in Massachusetts. And that really changed my thinking. And it showed me um, how to deal with resentment, fear, envy, and all. I didn't even know I was resentful till I, till I did this particular fourth step. And right before I did the fourth step, I almost lost my sobriety. I, was, um, I had started dating someone, and that, I'm grateful I didn't lose my sobriety, um, but that situation was also part of what led me into the steps. Um, it also, the guidance in this program helps me to keep growing and I, and I make mistakes. I recently bought a house, which I've never owned a house before, even though I'm a senior citizen. <laughs> and, um, um, it brought me into a lot more contact with men than I usually have. I've lived in the same apartment for over 26 years and, I had the same job for over 22 years, and most of my interactions were with, with women. Um, and so there were a lot of workmen coming in and out of my new house. And, one, and so I found myself con- opening up too much to them, not in a sexual or lustful way, but telling them more about my life than they needed to know. And thank goodness for my sponsor. In one situation, I invited a couple of men in who were selling um, uh, solar panels and came down the street. I invited them into my house to get warm, which it was okay. I mean, they were okay guys, but it was, really wasn't safe. So I just, I, my, as my life opens up and expands, I make mistakes and I need help and I need the guidance of other people. Um, the big book talks about, for these people, the um, fluffy emotional appeal seldom suffices. The message for these people must have depth and weight. And that's what I found in this program. And it also goes on to say, um, their lives must be grounded in a power greater than themselves. And... So that's my fourth gift of sobriety and recovery is the real connection. 
with God, self, and others. The White Book talks about the real connection. And I love in the solution where it says, we were making the real connection, we were home. And I think what the writing means is that we were home, we found a home. We found a home with our higher power. Um, It also says to me that when you talk to me, there's somebody home. And I'm not sure there was before. And um, my connection with my higher power is just, well, I, I majored in religion in college because I was looking for God. And I can look back and see that I had uh, some sense of a higher power through my life, but I didn't, it wasn't conscious and it wasn't anything about how to live my life or asking for help or having a real relationship. And today I do because of this program and prayer and meditation and um, outside help and just uh, there's a wonderful line in the step into action. I think it's in the third step where it says, seek, listen, and follow. And that's my, that's my goal for my life is that someday in every moment I will seek, listen, and follow. But I do that much, much more than I've ever done it. And I'm, I'm just so grateful for my higher power. It's also a real connection with myself because I now know what's more what's going on with me. And it's a real much more real connection with others. Um, And in the white book, the problem talks about uh, we became disconnected from parents, from peers, from ourselves. And that, if you read the problem, I didn't buy or sell um, sex, but every other bit of the problem is me, is how I lived. And I, I ought to be still living that way today. And I'm not, thank, and I can't, I can't believe it. It's, I'm so grateful. And um, the, white, the problem also talks about the connection that had the magic. And I really, really went for that. Um, today, I have a connection that is like a journey. And it's a much different connection. It's a much more real connection. The fifth gift that I want to talk about is the gift of time. And I mean that in terms of actual just time in my day to do things and um, also mental time. And because I'm not acting out, I have time during my day to actually do other things, do constructive things. And yes, the program takes time, but there's a lot of other time that I used to be spending acting out. And I have a lot more space in my head. There's a spaciousness in my life now that I didn't have before. I used to, this, when I was quote unquote dating someone, I used to wake up and I'd have like two seconds of mental freedom in the morning. And then I would start obsessing about that person constantly, constantly, all day. And I don't have that in my head today. Um, at one point, I lived in New York City, and I was seeing someone, and I used to walk, when if I was walking along the street to the subway, and I would, I would wish that his car would come by um, and see me. And you can imagine how many cars there are in, in New York City. So that's the kind of constant obsession that I lived with, and I don't have that today. And what those 
what that time and spaciousness has led me to is a lot of creative activity. I have a creative endeavor that I do that I love doing, and I did it before I got sober, but I, it takes a lot of preparation at home. I used to do it for five minutes and then have to act out with myself. And so I think someone's unmuted. Um, so that so I have a lot more a lot more space in my life, and sometimes doing something creative is challenging, and it's facing myself. And today I can face the challenge with help from other people in my higher power. I don't have to cover it over with with acting out. The sixth gift that I wanted to talk about is the gift of integrity. And I almost want to call it a rented integrity because I could have my lack of integrity back in a second if I act out. Um, By integrity, I mean that I'm doing this program for myself. Um, My sobriety date is not my first meeting. My first meeting was January 6th of 1985. And that next fall, I met someone. He asked me for tea. So in my early sobriety, I thought that that was a match made in heaven because he asked me for tea instead of for a drink. Um, And we dated. And I didn't actually lose my sobriety, but my behavior was not sober. Um, And thank God I kept coming to meetings. And there's a whole story with that, which I won't go into. But Um, what I learned from that experience was that I wanted to be sober for myself because those first 10 months, um, I had thought that I was being sober to fix me up to get married. I didn't, that's, that was really my underneath motivation. So part of integrity means that I'm doing this program for myself because I want to be happy and joyous and free. Another... Another integrity, part of integrity is that I don't have a secret life anymore. I I grew up Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I grew up two people, um, the outside kid and the inside acting out person. And, you know, I I went to a Quaker girls school in high school and I was president of student council a senior year. And five years later, after college, I was picking up people on the street and acting out in cars. So um, the hidden side of my personality came out. And, but today, you know, my, my recovery program is private. I don't go around telling people that I'm a sexaholic, but it's not secret. I'm not split into two people. Integrity also means that I have an opportunity to match intention with action. And of course, the first of that is that I intend to not act out and I have a chance because of this program to follow through on that. Um, I have a chance to show up for activities and things I've committed to and to show up on time. And I have a chance, I don't have to lie about where I've been. One time after I was living away from home, uh, 
my mom asked me what I did, um, you know, in my free time when I wasn't working. And all I was doing was acting out. So I had to lie. And I don't have to do that anymore. The seventh thing I want to talk about as a gift of sobriety is the, is the chance to be useful, usefulness and service. And it says in the big book, um, uh, something about to quiet, to throw ourselves into helping others. It quiets the imperious urge. And I have definitely found that in this program. Um, being of service has given me a sense of self-esteem that I didn't have before, a sense of peace, a sense of contentment. When I get off the phone, yesterday I was really upset about something and somebody called me about a resentment she was having and I had a chance to pass on some things that my sponsor has said to me. And when I got off the phone, I just wasn't that upset anymore. And that happens to me over and over. And I heard someone at a conference say, um, I tell my sponsees the things that my higher power needs me to hear. And that's my experience over and over. I never got self-esteem for acting out. I thought that I was trying to get, become above ground, to become a normal person. But it just uh, made me more and more trodden down and more and more full of guilt and remorse and the opposite of self-esteem. Um, and also being of use and of service, it's not me. And I have the experience and program of giving from a place of control and wanting to be important. And I have an opportunity, I have an experience and program of giving from a place of prayer and not really knowing what to do and just asking God for help. And that always works out a lot better um, However, I will say that um, the tools of the program give me the opportunity also to make amends when I do come from a place of controllingness. So there's, um, I'm caught in a web of recovery in every single, for, for all my different behaviors, um, if I choose to use them. So when I was preparing this talk and kind of got my notes together, uh, yesterday, and I thought, oh, well, seven, that's a really great number to end on. That sounds really spiritual and cool. And, I, and I, my eye fell on this little Christmas tree that I got this year. I haven't had one for several years, but now that I'm in my own house, I have this tree, and I um, decorated it with all these ornaments that I have from my grandmother and my mother, and it's just a lovely thing. And so I realized there's an eighth gift, which is the gift of fun. And this is something that I hope to have a lot more of in my life. And I, I think of fun in a couple of different ways. Um, I am an introvert, and so social occasions are not fun for me. Large groups of people are not fun. And so... Right now, what's really fun for me is doing projects like decorating my tree, um, doing my creative activity, uh, spending time with a few friends, um, things like that. But also, there's the fun of 
just changing my attitude about my day, anything could really be fun if I look at it that way. And uh, so I feel like my higher power gave me an eighth gift, which is to think about the gift of fun. So I think, I think that's it. I will stop there and thank you all for being here. And with that, I pass. Wow, thank you so much, Margo. That was so powerful. I just absolutely loved every part of that. And I'm so thankful for the, the eighth gift. We got to hear that as well. That's straight from higher power. And boy, that is proof. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to unmute everybody here in a moment. And so you can either mute yourselves by pressing star six or the mute function on your phone. Um, so just won't stand by for one minute. Now. All right, so we can start with our things. If you prefer not to be recorded, please wait till the end of the meeting, which is going to be at about uh, 11.50. And then at that point, you can ask questions or share. All right, so who would like to be our first share today with 30 days or more of sobriety? Miguel from Virginia. Go ahead, Miguel. Thank you. And actually, today is day 30 for me, so um, kind of excited. But... Uh, just a really quick question. Um, thank you so much. Your your share was a gift to me and, and just an amazing experience. I was wondering if you could just quickly summarize kind of uh, like in a table of content style um, those seven gifts again because I was on at the beginning uh, but just kind of missed um, the titles of the first five gifts. But uh, And that's all I have for a share. Thank you so much. Hi, sure, Miguel. Um, one, being alive physically and every other way. Two, the fellowship. Three, guidance, the message of recovery, how to live. Four, real connection with God, self, and others. And maybe you have the others, but five is time in activity and in my head. Six, integrity. Seven, usefulness and service. And eight, fun. Thank you so much. All right, thank you, Miguel. All right, who would like to be our next share or ask our speaker, Margot, a question with uh, 30 this days remarks about Yay, Kathy, go ahead. Thank you. Margo, I'm so pleased to, to get to hear your talk, and I thank you for that. Um, it's great to get to know you a little better. Um, I have spent a little bit of time with you, and that was not so much quantity as quality. And I particularly remember you being of service to me when I came to Boston uh, on a work trip for a week, and you took a train and brought another member and brought a meeting to me, and we spent time together. And that has been invaluable uh, to my recovery, and I appreciate you so much. And thank you for sharing, and, and I look forward to listening to this again and, uh, and absorbing more of it. And it helps me to reflect on what my gifts of the program are. Uh, thank you, and God bless you. Oh, 
right, thank you, Kathy. All right, who would like to be our last share with 30 days more of sobriety before we open up to the entire group? All shared. My name is Dennis, and I am a grateful recovering sexaholic in Alaska. And, uh, Margo, thank you so much. This is a, a beautiful way to <clears throat> start the new year. I love how you. Um, yeah. I love how you um, just opened up the simplicity of this program and how you were able to. I mean, I could just follow along as the steps went. Like, wow, I, I can really see that. And I thank you for your honesty as well. Um, you know, as what it's like now. So uh, that was that was really really amazing. And uh, with that, I'll pass and open it to anybody who would like to share next. Uh, may I share? Yes, go ahead, Warren. Okay, this is Warren from New York. Uh, thank you, Margo. I, I got most of what you said. Uh, um, I saw you at conferences. It was absolutely phenomenal. I got a lot of what you said. And um, I appreciate this special meeting on New Year's. Um, and, again, I just have to reiterate that when I hear these speakers that have time, a lot of time, it, it's so reflective in, in the way they speak it's like when I when I want what I want is not just the time they have. I want the, the the quality of life, and I hear that every time, whether it's Harvey or somebody else or Margo, and that's that's something that I aspire to. I, I really I really like that. Um, I um, I had almost two years of sobriety, and then uh, and then I lost it along the way. But there are still two bottom lines that I have not passed, and uh, I do see hope in this program for me. Uh, I now have almost two weeks. Um, my acting out uh, has been greatly, greatly reduced. And uh, most days I don't feel I have to act out. And most, and most days, the preponderance of most days, I am sober. Just wanted to put that out. Um, I, I want to say for me, I need to work, again, a lot on character defects. And um, th those things are very sticky items, but I need to do that. And uh, especially... What's not so well is my relationship with myself, uh, taking care of certain items that I need to take care of. I just want to know, Marco, if you had anything to say on how long that took till you caught up with the relationship of self, because we always talk about the relationship with God, the relationship with others. I want to know a little bit, if you could say a few words, please, on the relationship with self, self-care, anything to do with the self. If you could share a little about that, I would appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Warren. Hmm. Well, uh, I think, uh, well, the self-care starts with being, for me, uh, with being sober because I'm not destroying myself and I'm not destroying my spirit when I'm not acting out. Um, I think the relationship with myself really uh, deepened, I would say, with the insight that I got from doing my fourth step. And before doing my fourth step, I thought, oh no, it's just gonna be another exercise in beating up on myself. But it turned out to just be the opposite because the truth is always healing. That's, that's what I've found. I wouldn't ever have thought that. But to see what was really standing in my way, and that's a continuing process, um, really showed me um, gave me some grounding. And doing that within a fellowship with a sponsor, with other people, makes it 
okay for me, as it says in the white book, to, to be able to face myself. And then I think my ninth step also um, helped, helped me a lot. Um, so I think it's a journey, and um, I'm glad that you have two weeks, and I, you're on the path, and uh, you'll find, I think, I think every person discovers their own relationship with their self that they need. But I, for me, it starts with sobriety, and with being in touch with others in the program where I know I'm loved and accepted. Thank, Thank you, you very Margo. much. All right. Again, the call is open to anybody. Who would, anybody would like to, you, need to, you do need to press star six to unmute. Who would like to ask Margo a question about what they heard today or about SA in general? Or share. Michael. Have to share. Michael in North Carolina. Go ahead, Michael. Um, thank you very much, Margo, for your share. I have a question. Um, some of these gifts, it seems to me like it might have taken some time to recognize that they were gifts. So specifically with the question of the gift of time, um, I'm realizing I don't know how to use time well without acting out. So I'm wondering if you could comment more on that transition period, um, how you learned to embrace the extra time as a gift and not just feel it as an empty, um, an empty space. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. That's a good question. Um, it's not, it's a bumpy road. And I think it took, I'm not sure I can, I'm not sure I was conscious enough during that whole transition to be able to give a really good answer. I know that Staying in touch with the program was really, really important. Um, and talking to a sister in the program every day and doing the renewals, which kind of renewed my review the day before and thought about the day ahead. Um, I will say that through the recommendation of somebody in this program, I, I, I went into like major overactivity and through someone in this program, I, I have joined another fellowship that deals with um, overwork and overactivity, and that's, that's been a great help. But, I, but at the very beginning, too, I already had this creative activity, and so um, I, think it, I, I think I just have to live through the discomfort and make sure that I talk to other people in the program who will not most likely identify with me to get through it. And we have a, um, you know, other people will offer suggestions on what to do with my time. And there's a slogan in another one of my programs that we don't do that substance no matter what. And I think about that in terms of the sobriety here, that I don't act out no matter what and then how to deal with the rest of my time uh, kind of comes to me through contact with others, through prayer. So that's all I can offer. I'm not sure I was, you know, really conscious enough at the time. But it's, it's, a, it's a day at a time, and sometimes I just 
have to stiver through it. And sometimes it feels happy, joyous, and free. Thank you. Thank you. Eric and Oregon. So Eric and Oregon, may I share? I'll go ahead, Eric. Sure. Okay. I wasn't sure if I was unmuted. Thanks. Um, yeah, that really made me want to jump in because I had a, a similar experience where, um, you know, um, at first just working my program seemed like, you know, such a burden on my time, um, but, but I wasn't very sober and I was still, you know, um, pursuing lust and using a lot of my time in, you know, non-technical, you know, technical sobriety, but not really sober, I guess you could call it. Um, but I did get to that point where I had all this extra time. And for me, uh, one of the things that worked was, was just maybe it's another gift of the, of the program, uh, the freedom to fail and just trying things. You know, I didn't know what I enjoyed because all I did was lust before I came into the program. So I spent, you know, a significant amount of time and a little bit of money on, on dead ends, just trying things, you know, maybe archery, maybe, you know, um, painting and, you know, whatever. Um, and, um, now I, I have so many things that I like enjoy and want to do that my life, you know, (laughs) it's full, uh, and um, then the other comment I wanted to make is uh, appreciate the comments on the gift of usefulness and service because that's one that I, I still don't uh, accept in my head. I, well, I guess I accept it in my head, but not my heart. And I often feel like um, usefulness and services is interfering with my time and what I want. Um, whereas when I do it, it, it really is the greatest source of joy in my life so i i really need those reminders on that topic so thanks thanks very much for your share that was pretty that was really cool fast harvey in toronto good right hi uh margo thank you so much for your share uh thanks everybody for being here this is such a beautiful crowd and uh it just makes everything so special on new year's day and i wish everybody a good one um and a great year uh, I, I wanted to ask you, Margo, uh, you know, when I meet people who have the kind of sobriety that you have, and, and the one thing that I, I, I really fear, I guess, still in my program is how the heck am I going to keep myself uh, fresh, you know, and, and especially when it comes to the 11th step and the connection, and you, and you said it, it's one of the gifts, you know, you number four is that real connection with self, with God, and with others, and uh, how do how do you keep from be, I, I know others is always new others and uh, and yourself you're always changing so I guess those are easier I, I wonder about God you know how do, how do you work on keeping that connection fresh alive new exciting could you comment on that a little thanks Harvey um hmm. Well, partly the disease keeps me uh, on a short tether. And so I do, need, I, I do need help, and I do need help from my higher power. And partly it's just the experience. So I generally meditate 20 minutes every day. 
And this morning, because I got up late and for different scheduling reasons, I didn't meditate the first thing. I had breakfast and then I did some other things, even though I could feel my higher power telling me, don't do those things, meditate. So, But eventually I meditated. But I could tell that without the meditation first, I just felt off. Um, now, I'm not the world's greatest meditator. I don't go into this uh, place of nirvana and quiet mind and all that kind of thing. But it obviously... When, from my experience, I can tell that it makes a huge difference if I don't do it. I listen to other people, and I listen to people in and out of the program, and they seem to have a relationship with a higher power that I want. And so I feel like I'm always seeking more. And uh, I think, I don't know why, I just want more and I want, you know, relationship was always a dirty word to me and I didn't understand why, but I always felt weird about that word squeamish. And so that relationship with my higher power is something that is also a journey and something keeps me pursuing uh, a more, more and more closeness. Um, yeah, I guess it's, the words of other people, it's words of my sponsor. Um, um, one of my sponsors said to me recently, um, acting out is boring. Uh, living with God is, a, is, is an adventure. Um, and I, I don't know, Harvey, I don't know if I have, a, if I have an answer really. It's just that the constant... Uh, little presence of the disease and the constant whatever is inside me that wants a closer relationship keeps me going. All right. Thank you, Margo. All right, Margo, I would like to ask a real quick question. This is Dennis in Alaska. Um, I have found I've got around four and a half years of sobriety and I've had really, uh, really a, a lot of freedom and Sometimes not so much, but what I struggle with now more than anything is I struggle with like being judgmental. Like if I go into a meeting, it's like um, how it's being done or bringing up you know the traditions. It's almost like I'm kind of going crazy on that. And I'm attending a non-program, uh, but did you have any help or did you struggle struggle with that as far as once um, start getting sober and enjoying recovery? Um, because it just steals all my, my peace and serenity. So if you could talk about that, that would be great. Mm. Thanks, Dennis. That is a huge problem for me, too. And I'm just finding lately that I'm able to, for example, be in a meeting and not have to fix everything. Um, and I've had a spontaneous reaction for, for so long of not only feeling the judgment, but just jumping right in to make it the way I wanted it. And lately I've just been able to let it go and let things just fall apart. And I think it's from um, over and over and over again, um, writing out resentments or turning them over. I still have those thoughts, um, but uh, it started with my fourth step and realizing that everything I think isn't true. 
not everything I think is true. I used to think what I thought was reality. And I'm sure you've done that kind of work already. Um, but I think it's just uh, over time, ter- keeping turning it over, asking for help. And, um, oh, I forgot the part in the big book where it says uh, we find that our, that it, that it just comes. And I think there's something that just happens that it, but I think really turning it over to other people and asking God to remove it. Um, In my morning prayers, if I can focus on a particular character defect and just give it to God, um, that really helps. But it just sometimes takes time. And I think the recognition that it, that it hurts inside is, is a very important beginning and the beginning of it leaving. And I remember one of my sponsors said to me, your fourth step is written on the lining of your stomach. And um, what that meant to me was that inside I do have a sense of things that, that I think that are hurting me. Um, so I guess the first thing would be not to try to keep my mouth shut <laughs> for me. And then the second, and then the second thing is to um, try to keep my, you know, my body quiet in those situations. And then um, just, just prayer and talk with others. Okay. Well, that's so powerful. And I, I do see practicing my four step over and over. I love that. That's exactly what I needed to hear. So thank you so much. All right. Who would like to be our next share today? All right, who would like to share next or ask Margo a question? Lee from Boston. Go ahead, Lee. Um, Margo, um, I wish um, SA was stronger in, uh, in Massachusetts, and I wish we could form a committee to have a convention. That's all I want to say. Thank you. All right, thank you, Lee. All right, who would like to be our next chair? We have about 10 minutes, actually about nine or eight minutes here, but who would like to be our next chair before I ask more little questions? Uh, this is Mike from California. Can you hear me? Mike from California. Go ahead, Mike. Um, yeah, I guess I'll do a little share, and then I'll ask her a question, too. Um, Mike from California, uh, sober to, you know, only for a day. Um, um, it's been a struggle, um, for me. Um, you know, I have a lot of periods of, um, well, I just, I guess as the disease has progressed, it used to be a lot easier to get sobriety, but now as it's progressed, it's very difficult. Um, and, uh, you know, I've had a lot of, short periods of sobriety where I go for a couple weeks or a couple months working the program real hard and then I um, you know I fall and it uh, gets so demoralizing you know now I'm at the um, point where I used to go get back up and be like okay you know dust myself off and get back into the program and uh, now it's um, this particular um, string of relapses has been um, yeah, difficult to even go back and even surrender again. Um, so, 
so uh, I'm still tr- I'm trying to surrender, you know, and you know, and uh, I'm just kind of burn out of you know trying to work the program and falling on my face and trying to get back up again. It's really demoralizing. So, um, I guess I will ask uh, uh, Margo how she thinks I could uh, break the cycle. Thank you for sharing, Michael. That is a really hard question. I know that when I lost my sobriety, um, which and I didn't even have sex, um, and I kept coming to meetings, it was really, really hard. It was not the pink cloud that it had been at the beginning, um, and it was it just felt really hard. So, identify with that. Um, I don't. I've, I've asked myself the same question that you ask so many times about people who come to our program and then don't come anymore. I, I think the fact that you are here today is excellent. Um, and I think maybe uh, to talk to people in your area, talk to somebody about what you're actually doing, doing to work someone's unmuted, (laughs) what you're actually doing to work the program. I know the things that helped me, uh, especially when I was coming back, like I said, uh, were to do the renewals every single day with an accountability partner um, and to stay in touch with people in the program. um, And just don't give up. I mean, that's what I've seen so much in our meetings is no matter what happens, don't give up. Keep coming back. And just talk to other people too. I don't have the experience of um, multiple relapses. I don't know why. I think maybe I just did a lot of research before I got here. But ask that question to as many people as you can. With that, I'll pass. All right, thank you, Margo. And, and as always, uh, that is, can I share? Uh, yes, you sure can. But I just want to say real quick is get a sponsor. That, that was life saving for me. If you don't have one, all right, go ahead, Daniel. Thank you. Yeah, hi. This is uh, the Daniel in uh, Israel. Uh, thank you so much for your share, Margo. I had ninety percent of it when I had um, coverage, and the other ten percent, I can't wait to hear it again because it was a beautiful thought, uh, beautiful recovery. And I just want to. St- uh, I'm gonna. I hope you don't mind. But I'm going to steal that line that you just said just now um, that I guess I did a lot of research beforehand because that just sums up uh, the blessing of my recovery today is the fact that I did a hell of a lot of research beforehand. Um, so if you don't mind, I'm going to steal that. And uh, really, thank you so much. What a beautiful talk. Thank you. You can steal it because I stole it. It's, Perfect. it's, it's, it's from another program. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, Eric and right. Oregon, Pete. Page 85 of the big book, we will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. Uh, yes, thank you. that was it. That, that was yeah. it. <laughs> thank you, Eric. I appreciate that. All right, everybody, who would like to be our last share of today? Um, I really need to close this out, but if there's a burning desire or somebody that wants to share or ask a question, I'll allow one more, and then we do have to close it up. This is Al from Arizona. Go ahead, Al, if you could uh, abbreviate it. Thanks. Thank you. Um, um, I, I am addicted to lust and fantasy. 
Uh, I've been in the program for 13 years. I've had lots of relapses. I really have enjoyed the talk. Currently, I'm about nine months sober. I keep working the program. I keep coming back. I really can relate to, to that, um, that thought of, of knowing it all. I feel like um, I'm guilty of feeling like I know it all and that, I, um, and that I'm superior. And uh, I have to uh, humble myself and uh, keep working the program and keep my connection. And, um, and uh, um, just enjoyed, the, enjoyed listening to this talk. And, and uh, uh, powerlessness and surrender are so important to me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. All right, Al, thank you. And Margo, thanks again. Uh, it is time for our seventh tradition, which states we have no dues or fees, but we are self-supporting through our own contributions. Please visit www.sa.org to make a donation to get further information about SA. Uh, SA is vital, so if you enjoyed today's conference, we'd ask uh, if you would like to donate on behalf of this meeting or this conference, please enter noon SA phone MTG in the description line, but we would encourage a donation to Seiko. They could uh, desperately use it. Finally, I would like to ask Margo to close with the Lord's Prayer or a program prayer of your choosing after a moment of silence for those who still suffer in and out of these rooms. I'm going to close with the seventh step prayer and I'll, I'll pause for a moment. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my, and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody, keep coming back. It works if you work it, so work it because you're worth it. And uh, Margo, thank you so much for your... Um, your service to us today. It was a blessing. I can't wait to go back and listen to it again. Uh, it was just so full of uh, good recovery and, and sobriety. And uh, I want what you have. So thanks again, Margo. Thanks, I think Margo. Ditto. it was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal.